When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Hard Knocks, Miami Dolphins edition by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto, bringing it back to you on this holiday episode post-Christmas. To all of you listening, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year, because the next time we do an episode of Hard Knocks or covering Hard Knocks, we'll be in 2024. So enjoy it, and hopefully, like we got that great Christmas win We'll be heading into 2024 with a W in Baltimore. So let's get into it. Episode six is going to be a short one. It's been a busy week. Family, chilling, wrapping up the the work week as everyone out there probably is doing the same, unwinding before the new year. And nothing's better than doing that while crushing narratives if you're the Miami Dolphins. Going into this week, episode six, the big narrative was this, and it's been this all year. Can Miami beat? a contending team, that's pretty much it. Can Miami beat a team with a winning record? And they did it this week. McDaniel set the tone with his guys, all right? Set it to a point where he gave the players permission, essentially, to F off, right? Pretty much tell the media, anybody who's bringing that narrative into the house, or if they start to overthink about it themselves, to pretty much put that to rest in their mind and move on, prepare prepare, prepare. And it seems like it's resonating with the players, right? Because we took care of business against Dallas, who also came in highly motivated after getting their asses whooped against Buffalo at Buffalo, right? Um, and I kind of have said this maybe not on air, but um, I think maybe I did to uh, to guest host uh, Chris Romero earlier in the season. But Miami in lots of ways parallels Dallas, right? We got a high, high-powered offense, very good defense, uh, a defense that Pretty good at takeaways, you know? Uh, I don't know what the stats are with Dallas, but they seem to have a a defense that's pretty good on takeaways in their secondary and with Parsons on the front line. And you have, with Miami, a high-powered offense that's kind of shifting now to a very defensive-focused squad, right? The defense has been setting the tone in the last few games. And uh, that's kind of an interesting twist because, as everyone knows who's a football fan, the key thing in the NFL is that you want to be rolling at the right time. You want to be heating up at the right time. You don't want to be doing what KC's doing right now, right? Uh, which they're floundering and falling apart. If they turn it around in the next two weeks, then they'll be right back on track. But Miami's rolling into the hardest part of their schedule, playing as good as you can because you got to win these close games, you got to win these ugly games, and you got to take care of business against the teams that have bad records. So um, they're doing all of the above, minus that Tennessee loss, which is still haunting us because it creates these scenarios now where. Instead of being up on the Ravens right now or tied with them currently, um, we're going to play the Ravens. And if we beat them on Sunday, we'd be tied for the same record and have the tiebreaker over them. And we'd still have to win out and beat Buffalo because if Buffalo wins this week, then that puts them on track essentially. Uh, Actually, no, it does not. If we win this week, we secure the AFC East. All right. And I believe I have that correct. They're nine and. 
six, and we are eleven and four. So if we win this week coming up, that puts puts us at twelve. It puts them at ten. Essentially, we win, we secure the AFC East. But if we lose and they win against the Patriots this week, uh, then we go into Week eighteen fighting for the AFC East, which would suck. But nonetheless, if we take care of business and win out, that's about as good as you can ask for. Rolling at the best time of the year, playing three straight potential Super Bowl contenders. And my dream scenario is we go up to Baltimore, we beat them down, come back home, the Bills lost to the Patriots, hopefully, and we get a chance to put Buffalo to rest, put them in the dirt to end the year. That would be a Dolphins dream come true. But all right, let's get into this episode. We'll talk more about scenarios and future casting of what what happens after this Cowboys game upcoming this week. It's Wednesday now. I'm hyped. Sunday can't come soon soon enough at this point. The only bummer is is that this isn't like a 425 game. I would have loved for this game to be flexed at 425, but whatever. We'll play them at one. And by the way, if y'all haven't picked up on this by now, the Dolphins against the Ravens last year was probably the most exciting game of the year if if you as a Dolphins fan, right? We were down 28-7. And uh, we came back and beat them, I think, 35-28 or something like that. I might be off a little bit on the score, but we beat them uh, with a touchdown to Waddle to end the game. So let's get into the episode. It was a great one. It's always a better one when you're coming off a win. So like I said, it starts with the fact that we beat a team with a winning record. All right. Throwback Jersey's Day. Not only that, we had a... Pretty much the game of the week on on Christmas Eve, right? You have uh, essentially the hottest ticket of the year, right? Is that Dallas Cowboys ticket, right? That's America's team coming to Miami. Dallas themselves have struggled against um, on the road. Period. Okay, they've they've struggled on the road, and they're trying to kind of take that performance that they have there in Dallas and bring it on the away teams, and they still haven't been able to figure that out, similar to how the Dolphins needed to get one done against a team with a winning record. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, McDaniel really setting the tone pretty much based on the way we approach things after the Tennessee Titans loss, right? You know, one game at a time. We're not looking forward. We're not looking into playoff seedings. We're giving the team in front of us the maximum respect possible, and that's what he's done, and you hear other players echoing that throughout the entire episode, and if it is that they're not focused, it's not showing on camera because you see guys like um, Teron Armstead say things like, this is the most important game of our lives simply because it's the next one. And that's, you can catch that on the Miami Dolphins uh, cinematic recap of the game. Uh, and you got just a bunch of dudes just locked in, man, just locked in on the, on the people in front of them. And the cow, I mean, came down to the wire, right? McDaniel got what he wanted. And, you know, he got shunned by the team in the locker room because he said he wanted the game to be, he was praying that the game would come down to a last minute drive. And he got that while the team wanted a blowout, which I always root for the blowout, but that's just me. But I also agree that if you're going to be a Super Bowl winning team, you have to be able to win these close games. So we got a lot of things in this episode. It's it's obviously the Christmas Christmas show. If you watch any TV shows, oftentimes the Christmas episode is the most joyous. It's the most fun uh, that's going on. You got a bunch of dudes around the facility exchanging gifts. Not a huge fan of Tyreek's gift, giving everybody like 40 mile per hour scooters. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a dope gift. And uh, Jalen Ramsey getting everybody the calf and, and foot massagers. Uh, Tua, like a little kid, just you know, dying for everybody to open his gifts. And perhaps one of the funniest moments of the episode is uh, Marino. I, 
you know, you love Marino down here, right? And if you're if you're a football fan, you know, and you look at Miami, let's talk about this for a second. Miami's one of the most classic franchises in the NFL. And um my two favorite sports to watch that I'm a diehard of, my two favorite teams are the Dolphins and the Heat. Uh, Heat fans and Miami fans in general get made fun of for being Fairweather fans, but that's like the furthest thing from the truth. Um, it just is. Uh, Miami, I think would say, I would say first and foremost, is a football town. We have the winningest coach in NFL history, and hopefully Belichick doesn't break that record. Uh, we have the great, potentially, arguably the greatest quarterback or like natural talent of all time in Dan Marino. Although I'd say Tom Brady is the GOAT in terms of, you know, Super Bowls won. And um, I, I'm a big Brady fan nonetheless. Uh, I respect the dude, even though he he whooped our behinds for like two decades. Um, nonetheless, we're just a storied franchise that goes back decades and decades and decades to the point where they do a feature on our equipment manager, Joe Chimino, who I had never heard of. And I don't think a lot of people have heard of him, which is what makes Hard Knock so cool because you get to tell these stories that you, otherwise you more than likely wouldn't hear unless the Dolphins go on a Super Bowl run. Uh, Joe was hired by Shula 30 years ago, and they show old footage, old NFL films footage of him uh, as a young man pretty much working for the Dolphins, grows up a lifelong Dolphins fan, and then gets to work for the team. His dream come true. And they kind of do a parallel between him and Alec Ingold in terms of the unsung hero work that they do and being the glue that holds the team together. So they kind of do a contrast between Joe with all his walkie-talkies and making and facilitating practice and the equipment and everything. And Alec, who's, you know, fighting for Mostert's ball that he broke the Dolphins' single-season record for rushing touchdowns. And he's going and pretty much fighting to get that ball so they can send it to Canton, Ohio, uh, which is just, you know, it's, it's dope to see this. And Joe isn't the only one who gets a cool feature. You also get Mostert. You get to learn a little bit about how he came from, you know, pretty much, you know, I don't know how much of a poverty struck in situation he was in, but it wasn't obviously as good as the situation he's living in now. And he goes to New Smyrna Beach to go visit where he grew up and kind of reflects on the fact that he's having a career season and seeing how far he's come. And you also see Cater Kohu, who has a cool, his parents have a cool immigration story, you know, where they immigrated from the Ivory Coast. And um, I'm assuming moved to Dallas because his dad is a Dallas, a conflicted Dallas fan this week as he roots for his son. And, um, you know, mom is less conflicted and you got the little brother mic'd up who's just a, a freaking treat to watch, watching him uh, take in the game. And unfortunately for Cater, it wasn't his greatest game, although I think Cater is one of the steals of of the of uh, the Dolphins uh, scouting department uh, of late. So you love seeing the feature and uh, you just want to see him continue to bounce back. And it just makes you root for these dudes, you know, I, I really do think it's something that that benefits them. All right, moving onward here, the Christmas spirit. Uh, I love the scene where you have Marino giving the isotoner gloves to the QB room, which is altogether one of the best things McDaniel did was, and I don't think another Dolphins coach has done this in history. We have so much talent that's been around the team for years that they had to play on losing teams, okay? And one of the first things McDaniel did was he started bringing back these guys who were legends on the Dolphins, you know, Sam Madison, you know, he's part, he's with the, the secondary team. Okay. Uh, Wes Welker, who we scouted before he was a Patriot, he was a Dolphin and uh, we lost him to the Patriots and he goes and has a freaking Hall of Fame career over there. And then you got Marino more present than I've ever seen with any other team. Okay. And uh, you want those kind of that presence there. Uh, 
in your organization. And I'll be honest, as a fan, maybe perception is reality, but it seems to me that we have the strongest core leadership that I've ever seen, like the most stable leadership and well-working functioning team that I've ever seen with Ross at the top, Garfinkel as the um, CEO, right? You got Marino, who's probably like kind of like a consultant, um, just legend, you know, pretty much the MJ of the Dolphins, right? Um, after Shula and it's Marino or it's Shula Marino, kind of half 50-50. And um, you got Sam Madison, you got uh, you, you got a lot of presence around the team, Nat Moore. Um, he's not coaching, but nonetheless, he's like in the Marino category. And you just got all these guys around. And, you know, in terms of the other leadership, you got McDaniel who's setting the culture. You got Vic Fangio on the defensive front. And then you got a great working relationship with Chris Greer, who's the GM player personnel uh, in charge of player personnel. And I hope that that structure remains for, for decades because you see what happens when a successful coach has to take over player personnel like Belichick, right, in, in New England. And I, I listen to the Bill Simmons show. It's one of the few uh, po- sports podcasts that I listen to. Um, pretty much him and McAfee is, uh, is the go-to at the moment. And Bill's always talking about how the biggest mistake is having Belichick in charge of player personnel. He's a great coach, but not good on the player personnel department. And it makes sense. You know, there's only so much time you have for everything. And you see that not just in the NFL, you see it in the NBA when Doc Rivers was given control of player personnel as well. Um, and uh, the, what's his name? Uh, the coach who stepped down from the Celtics, um, the boy wonder from Butler. Um, something, what the hell is his name? Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. Anyways. Moving onward, love the organization, love the stability that we have going on. And overall, it's just, um, I think we got leadership and uh, the type of players that can carry this for years to come. All right, let's talk about the game itself. You get some key moments. You get some key moments from some big, uh, some big players. Deshaun Elliott with probably the play of the game, um, stopping the touchdown on the goal line, okay? With Zach Sealer coming to clean it up. And then the next play, you got the Cowboys fumble. As a Dolphins fan, you're looking at that play and you don't even see. I mean, in that situation, all you're hoping for is a takeaway or a goal line stop that you keep them to three. What happens is the best possible scenario where you pick up the fumble. But Jason Sanders, huge bounce back game. As a Dolphins fan, I'm going to say straight up trust in Sanders has been shaky. Um, And I think Sanders, even, I think that that position is so much about confidence. And for him to have a five field goal game was just so massive for him. Uh, Jeff Wilson, who hasn't gotten a lot of touches this year, he comes up clutch on that final drive with two first downs, I believe. Tyreek wakes up in the second half, seemingly bouncing back from his injury. And unfortunately, we lose most certain Waddle to some injuries, hopefully not out Sunday, but nonetheless, we lose him for a little bit. Okay. Other than that, in terms of this show, this is the first hard knocks season that's ever gone to the playoffs. Uh, this is def- already statistically the best team that's ever been covered by NFL films on hard knocks. Okay. I said it before. I p- believe I've said it in the last two episodes. If the Dolphins go to the Super Bowl, which I have boldly predicted in previous episodes, which is not like a crazy hot take or anything like that, this will go down as the greatest sports documentary potentially ever. I don't think we've ever seen a documentary. Maybe The Last Dance, right, is the only one that we've seen. Um, 
which is why The Last Dance is, is also so loved, right? You know, you're following the most iconic, mythical player to ever play a sport pretty much, right? Um, but if the Dolphins make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, I don't know what sports documentary could come close to topping that situation uh, of seeing that entire story. It would be one of those things where back in the day, you'd see like a freaking call toll-free, you know, after the Yankees would win a World Series, it would say like, call now to get the New York Yankees uh, World Series collection and the VHS of blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you would have a VHS tape that would take you through the entire playoff run, right? But this would be the craziest thing ever to see an actual, I don't even know how many episodes it would be. It would probably be, um, we have week 17, week 18 coming up. So there's already been six episodes, so it's eight episodes. If the Dolphins get the one seed, that would give them a bye week. So I'm assuming they would skip an episode for the bye week, or maybe they wouldn't. Uh, and then you have to win to get to the the um, Super Bowl. You have to win three games. Am I tripping? Let me look it up real quick. One second. One second, y'all. Let me see. You get the wild card round if you have to do the wild card, divisional round, conference championship. Okay, so you got to win four games, which is what I thought. Three to get to the Super Bowl. So you're potentially looking at 12 episodes, 11, if we, if, 11 ideally, if you get the, the one seed and you don't have to play the first round of the play, uh, Super Bowl, I mean of the playoffs. But um, yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at right now. And then let's look a little bit forward now in terms of what's coming next to end the year and uh, go from there. I will say this, man, in terms of takeaways from, from Hard Knocks in general, I want to see a Jalen Ramsey episode. And I, I feel like that dude doesn't want anything to do with the show right now because I don't think he's been interviewed once. Um, I also think Xavier Howard hasn't been interviewed once. But I'd love to see them on the show maybe later on, maybe final week of the year or Whatever, but if they don't want to do it, you got to understand and respect their privacy too. There, there's a lot of things where I'm assuming if these players say no, then these camera crews are not allowed with them. So that's that. But season looking forward, we got the Ravens coming up, game of the year. The Dolphins pretty much are ending the year with three straight games of the year. The Cowboys was the game of the year up till now. Okay, uh, maybe the KC, the Kansas City game was another one. Um, Ravens for the for the one seed. All right, we're fighting for the one seed this week. We win, we temporarily have it, and if we win against the Bills, then we guarantee it. Okay. So Ravens this week. And then on the other side, we're watching the Bills and Patriots match up closely, hoping that Belichick plays the party pooper here. You know, the guy who comes in and wrecks the party, spikes the punch. Maybe that would make the party better. Uh. Maybe in the case of the bear, if you ever watch the show on Hulu, maybe he drugs the punch. Who knows? But I think if anything, if there's anything to fight for, if you're a Patriots fan or if you're Bill Belichick, it's let's ruin Buffalo's year. And I think after winning this game this week, the Patriots are coming in pretty confident. They got a nasty defense and anything can happen when these division rivalries. So we got that game going. I'm rooting for every team that's currently eight and seven. So I'm hoping the Bills lose. They become 9-7 and seven and everybody else comes up to 9-7. and seven. I would love for the Bills to miss the playoffs. Shout out, Bills Mafia. And then you got another storyline going on here. Tua, to end the year, is going to be facing... I know we've had this conversation of who are the MVP frontrunners. At one point, it was Dak. Then 
since Dak hasn't played well the last couple weeks. It was Purdy. Purdy shat the bed against the Ravens, uh, threw for four interceptions. Uh, he was horrible uh, the entire game, pretty much. Uh, really predictable, the San Francisco offense. I mean, just from a bystander. I'm not saying it's not complicated, but it sure feels like to me, if you take away those slant routes and those wheel routes and those screens, that San Francisco is a lot more beatable. It also felt like to me, the game plan was, I mean, McCaffrey was killing it. It could have been one of those 30, 30 carry games. I don't know. It just felt to me that the, the strategy against the Ravens was so insistent on establishing the pass that if they had just established the run game, that game ends up completely different than it than it ended up. But anyways, Purdy's out of the MVP race at this point, um, which leaves currently the front runners, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Josh Allen, and probably Christian McCaffrey. If you want to slide Tyreek in there too, but it's been since he missed a couple, since he missed a game, that kind of takes him out of it now because, you know, if he would have broken the 2,000-yard record, then that puts him at the top, I think. But nonetheless, Tua is going to compete against his three competitors of the MVP. He, you know, he just beat Dak, okay, albeit it was very much a defensive-focused game and Jason Sanders really carried us to victory with five field goals, okay? He's going to face the front runner this week, Lamar Jackson. And if he outduels him, then he overtakes him for the MVP. And then he can put it to rest if we close out the season and beat Josh Allen and the Bills, right? So it's really Tua's MVP to lose at this point if he balls out in these next three games. I mean, these next two games, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning, when he won the MVP a couple years back, he had worse, he had worse statistics than Tua does at this point in the year. And I know it was one less game back then, but nonetheless, you get my point here. Tua's already having an MVP caliber season. It's just the competition is fierce right now. So that's an interesting storyline to keep track of. Okay. Mind you, Tua is up on his contract. So next year he's playing, he's, I mean, he's playing for the payday now. And I hope he doesn't do a Mahomes because you saw Mahomes screaming at his entire team on the sideline this week. Um, I hope he pulls more of a Brady where he takes a pay cut allows the team to build an O-line around him, build, get some more weapons, get him a tight end. We definitely need to see that, that uh, center of the field uh, you know, tight end seam route that we had working this week with Smythe. I think that will be key against the Ravens, especially if Waddle is out. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much how we're ending the year. We're fighting for the one seed. We're fighting for the AFC East. And sure as hell would be a nice thing to win out and get that first round by and make the road to the Super Bowl come through Miami. That would be terrific. So anyways, I hope you all enjoyed the Hard Knocks episode. I hope you enjoyed our coverage of it as much as you did the episode itself. That's pretty much impossible because it's great. Um, but yeah, we will see you next time and hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you want to contact us with your NFL takes, your Miami Dolphins takes, you can contact us at contact at soapbox.house. All this information will be in the description. As always, like this video, subscribe truly helps us. I probably should have said that at the start of this. Um, and as always, fins up. Thanks for making this uh, such a fun ride. And I'm just having a good time covering a team that is great for this first time in my life as a fins fan. So anyways, y'all, Sunday, 1 p.m., fins for the win.